So I want to start by we introduced uh, our discussion about prayer last week, but I want to start by reading uh, what Jesus said in the response to the question that the disciples gave. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, I want us to go through and read the prayer that many of us know as the Lord's Prayer, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. Um, we have Matthew 6. Uh, if you have one of our Bibles on the table, it's page 552. Uh, Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus says, Therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to open you up with a question. It simply says, what are the goals of our prayer? What's the goal of our prayer? What is the outcome that you wish for as you communicate with God. And these goals could be many. Um, there is no right or wrong answer in this. Uh, and it can depend upon your season or your prayers. But what is the goal of our prayers? What is the outcome that we wish, wish for in our communication with God? What do you got? Resolution. Okay. We'd like an answer. Okay. A direction. Sometimes in that answer, we wish for direction. <clears throat> be direction in life, direction in choices, direction in A or B, right? What else? What do we wish for in our prayer? What outcome are we hoping for? <clears throat> to be heard. To be heard? Okay. Mm -hmm. My husband won't hear me, so I'm going to pray to my father. Right. <clears throat> that was a joke. I was not bashing Mark, because I know Mark's a good listener. So, What else? Change? Where'd that come from? Mike? No. Okay. Change in what? Like change of attitude, change of heart, change of somebody else would change. Attitude. Uh, things would change. Heart. Circumstances. That's the word I was looking for. Circumstance. So change. We're praying, hoping for change to take place, either internally or externally. Okay, give me one more because I know I wrote two more dots, so I need two more answers. Validation. Validation? Like? Just hoping that you're doing the right thing. Okay. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm going. Will you confirm or reject that this is good? Validate me. 
God predetermined that there would be one more answer because he made me write that last dot. So what is our last dot going to be? Okay. God would act. So we're praying sometimes that God would do something, take action. Um, and that could support a lot of those. But so what we got? We got answers, praying for answers, praying for directions, praying to be heard. Uh, praying for change, either internally or externally, validation, and sometimes that God would act. <clears throat> Here's, let me ask you this. What if, and this is this question, this is a statement in the form of a question. You like this? Tony's like, yeah, you're good at this. So what if everything that our heart longs for is attainable? Like everything that, like, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that make up these things, and internally there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of thought, a lot of desires, a lot of internal things going on that cause us to long for these things. And I'm saying, what if everything your heart longs for is attainable, not because you present yourself to God, which is typically what we think prayer to be, but what if everything your heart longs for is attainable because God presents himself to you? So think about this. <clears throat> What if we've had prayer backwards? Like everything we long for, we're like, if I just go and I just pray and I ask and I say and I speak and I, I present my request and my thoughts and my feelings and whatever else to my Heavenly Father, then maybe I can attain the things that my heart longs for. But what if I'm saying it's flipped? That you don't have access to every longing of your heart because you present yourself to God but because God presents himself to you. Okay. <clears throat> There's two things happening in the opening lines of the Lord's Prayer that may support uh, this far-fetched idea that just might kind of rock our boat. Two things going on. So let's look at it again. In the opening lines, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven... Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I got two things that are going on. Number one is the theme of praise. First thing going on in the opening section of the Lord's Prayer is a theme of praise. <clears throat> Let me ask you, what? there's a few places or situations that cause you to feel small or humbled, right? You, there's like, you're standing here, you're looking, and you're like, wow, I just don't feel near as big as I did before I looked at this. Or maybe there's a, a circumstance that you find yourself in, um, and you're like, in the midst of this, I'm like, man, I really feel humbled. I don't feel near as big as I did before I got into this. So what are those, <clears throat> what are those uh, places or situations? What are some examples that cause that humbling? Death. Death? Okay, so when you're faced with that, I did not have that on my list, but it's good. That's why I asked the question, right? 
So things that humble death. What else? Competition. <laughs> Humbles you? Does it? <clears throat> so I have the spiritual gift of tra uh, trash talk. God gave that to me from a young age. And I can talk trash better than anybody else on the face of the earth, but I'm not always good at backing it up. Um, like, I, I, I grew up playing basketball with my older brothers and all their friends. So, like, they're all five years older than me, and you would have think I was five feet taller than them. Like, I'm like, you better get your stuff out of here. And they're like, dude, you are 10. And I'm like, it don't matter. But they humble me, right? Humble me in competition. Uh, the one that I thought of, and this was a place. Uh, this is the one that... Yeah, it's when you're standing at the edge of the ocean and you're just looking out and you're like, whoa. Like, I just shrunk because I'm standing here looking at this. I don't feel near as big as I did in my normal context because I'm looking out over the vastness of the ocean. What else? Anything else? Having a child. <clears throat> Very humble. Okay. Try four. <laughs> I'll take your word on it. <laughs> like you're not near as big a deal as you were before you had kids. I mean, exactly. Right? And that's the problem with having multiple kids. Because every kid you have, what? it's not a problem. It is. It's the chiseling. It's the shaping. It's the removing of the selfishness. It's like at some point you don't even have time to be selfish because you've got so many people dependent upon you as provider, director, sustainer. And, and, it, and it. I can't imagine four kids. I feel that one kid. <clears throat> See, you're still very selfish because you only have one. <laughs> Burn. That's my spiritual gift of talk, trash talking. Shall y'all see that in action? All right, give me give me another answer. Give me another place. Give me another setting. Humbling in the way of a job or an internship. Okay. An explanation. My background is I'm a personal trainer. I also train athletes at UCA strength conditioning. Mm -hmm as an intern. This fall, I actually got humbled because of how I was showing and presenting myself to athletes mm. and not relating to them of how painful the workout is being. Mm. So. so that can translate into a lot of things. Going into tasks where you haven't done them before and you're in a, you have a learning curve. And when you move into, it's like Tyler like comes to work with me every day and he's like, I'm like, I know internally, like, can we just do something that we've done before? But my job doesn't repeat itself very often. My job says every day we do something that we've never done before. It's like when we finally come back around and repeat something, Tyler's like, yes, I know how to do this. I've done this before. But then inevitably the next thing we do, it's complete learning curve again. It goes to you. It's like learning to communicate to those, to equip those, and then, phew. Tumbling, you're like, it does. It, 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 you walk into that training session and you're like, I'm the trainer, and then you walk out and I'm like, man, I'm a loser. I just like, he was the trainer. 
<laughs> he just he just walked me. It's like I'm not near as cool as I thought I was before I walked in here. It's humbling. Let me give you one more setting. Crowds. Huh? Iraq. Iraq. So military setting, you find yourself on the other side of the world. There's a lot of things about that that could be humbling. No, it's like you're you're in somebody else's homes in a circumstance that's way over our heads. Alright. So the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is is Jesus presenting. I'm gonna come back to that in just one second. I'm not leaving it. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus presenting an abbreviated version of a very common Jewish prayer called the Amidah. So Jews, three times a day, face towards Jerusalem from all over the world at 9, 12, and 3. They stop what they're doing. They enter into the posture, the position, uh, standing with their hands together. They're rocking, and they're reciting the Amidah, which is the Jewish prayer. They recite it three times a day at 9, 12, and 3. Jews all over the world from 2,500 years ago to today have used it. Jesus here in his response in Matthew 6 is presenting an abbreviated version of the Amidah. So it's like his, his, what he's giving us in the Lord's Prayer almost sounds like really familiar in that setting. It's not anything new. It's not anything earth-shattering. It's a very common vocabulary and structure to the disciples who were receiving this. But there's three different sections. There's three different things that are going on. Number one, there's praise, there's petition, and then there's thanks. So the Amidah has 18 prayers that fall into those three Categories and what Jesus presents here contains those same three categories, and the opening theme is a theme of praise. Praise, I'm quoting somebody here, and I don't know the lady's name, so it's not plagiarism because I just said I'm quoting the lady and I don't know her name. I wish I could give her credit. But she said this she said, Praise provides intellectual appreciation for the greatness of God. It's like praise takes your brain there, and it's like, He's great. That's what praise does. When I'm saying things about God, when I'm proclaiming who He is, and when I'm, when I'm voc- vocalizing it, and I'm repeating it, and I'm rehearsing it in an act of praise, it takes my brain intellectually into the greatness of God. But praise in prayer causes the intellectual understanding to take root in our emotions. So when you enter into prayer through the theme of praise, I'm saying that, our Father who is in heaven, wow, holy is your name. My mouth is taking my mind, and when I do it through the act of prayer, it roots in my heart. So the intellect takes root in the emotions, and then we enter into petitions, which is requests with complete humility as our sense of self melts away in the presence of someone much greater than ourselves. Praise, the theme of praise, does what these things do. That's what it does. It's like 
In central Arkansas, Chad's like walking around complete confidence. I know who I am. I know where I am. I can handle this. I can do this. This is my place and I'm a big man in my town. But you put me in the Middle East, in the middle of a war, and I no longer feel the same as I do in my hometown. Or it's Nico walking into the job saying, I'm the one who's been trained. I'm the one who knows what to do. I'm the one that's going to tell this guy. And then I walk away like, ah. I wasn't near as big of a deal as I thought I was. That's what praise does in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name be honored is holy. It has the same impact as these situations. The praise section of the Amidah contains the following adjectives. So here's what I've done. Instead of reading this whole thing to you, I'm going to write down the adjectives for you. And then we're going to see what impact these adjectives have on our intellect and what that does to our emotion. Make sense? So here we go. This is in the 18 prayers of the Amidah. Jesus is summarizing in the Lord's Prayer. Here are the adjectives of the praise section. Blessed God. God of our fathers. Great. Mighty. Revered. Most high. Stower of loving kindness, creator of all, remember of us, king, helper. Savior, shield, sustainer of life, reviver in death, supporter of the falling. Healer, freer of the bound, orders death, restores life. And then it ends with this question, as these descriptions are given, who is like you. So here's the praise section that Jesus is abbreviating when he says, Holy is your name. Our Father, 
My Father, who is the blessed God, the God of not just me, but my fathers in my past, who is great, who is mighty, to be revered, the most high over all, the bestower of loving kindness, creator of all, the one who remembers even us, the King of kings, the helper, the savior, the shield, the sustainer of life, the one who revives us in death, the supporter of those who are falling, healer who frees those who are bound, who orders death and who restores life. Who, who is like this? And the answer is none. The answer is none. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. takes the intellect rehearsed in prayer takes root in the emotion and then when I enter into the petition section I enter in with the humility of being smaller than I thought I was when I stepped into his presence make sense it's the theme of praise you approached God with your goal in mind. But how does rehearsing His holiness affect your asking? So, so here's what happened. We started this conversation. What is the goal of prayer? What do you long, what do you desire as you communicate? I want answers. And I want direction. I want to be heard sometimes. I need change to come about internally or externally. I need validation. And, I, and I'm praying that God would act on our behalf. But now I rehearse through praise, and then I enter in to petition after going through praise. How does it change my ask? How does it affect the way I ask? Praising, you're saying who God is, and as you're doing that, like you said, you're you're getting smaller, and you're realizing how big and amazing He is, and then it's just like this, like as you have all these things that you're wanting to bring before Him, there's a trust and a, a power that God gives you through that. I think once you recognize who He is, it's like okay, I really can lay this before You, and I trust yeah. You are God. You know more than I am. You can, you know. Mm-hmm. Lay it here and let me just. Which is exactly what Paul says in the book of Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but through everything, through prayer and petition, present your request to God. How on earth can I be anxious for nothing? Well, if I enter into my petition in the way of praise, it's like my anxiety has melted away. It's like because the the validation I needed, (laughs) I have here. The direction uh, I thought I absolutely had to have the next step. Tell me what the next step. What is the next step? I can't move until I know. It's like, huh. If he knows, do I have to always know? (sighs) The anxiety and the fear melts away in the presence of someone greater than you. And that's what praise does. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to enter into the presence of God by way of praise. Okay.
his rest, like that, go back to those other, it's like, you know, the anxiety watch around, like, recognizing who he is and, like, mentally processing through that. Yeah. There's a rest that comes with that when you lay it before them, knowing those things. So two examples from me this week. Number one, I got anxious about something earlier this week, and because I am so holy and perfect, I decided to pray about it. That was a joke. I was anxious for a while before I was like, man, I should pray about this. Um, but when I did pray about it, I kind of prayed through the context of our discussion last week, and I started, Father? It's like, I didn't even get any further than that. I was like, like, my anxiety, when I begin to say, Father in heaven, Why am I anxious? Like, because you just heard that. And I like came into your presence and I'm like, Father in heaven, who is blessed, the God of my Father, great, mighty, revered. And it's like all these things just flood your worry and it floods it to the point that it just washes it away. And in that moment, I'm just like, you're right, there was rest. The night before I couldn't sleep, the morning after, a moment of prayer considering my Father. And then I was... Um, Walking around like I do many Sunday mornings. We're, we're having conversations about where our church is going to be located next, somewhere a little bigger. Because um, we got a lot of families that are gone this morning. And when, like, we're just thankful everybody takes vacations at different times. Um, like, but I'm walking around, I'm looking. And I was walking, number one, we thought we were going to have an opportunity to buy this building next across the street. And that, that opportunity was just kind of... It's like, no, you're not going to have that opportunity. I'm like, oh, that stinks. But it's like I walked over there this morning, and I'm considering the conversations we're having with building owners and everything else, and I'm just like, Father, you begin to pray over our next space, and you begin to pray over what God's doing in our church. You begin to pray over what's going on in our city. And I just say, Father, and it reminds me that he has the ability to let loose of anything he wants to let loose of. He has the ability to give whatever he wants to give. And as I'm like wondering and stressing, where, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be? What are we going to do? I just say, Father. And it's like, it's all his. It's all his. And the only reason I don't have anything is because he hasn't let loose of it yet. But when he does decide to let loose, either in the context of a facility or in the context of your life or my life, it's going to be perfect. And I just, that, that washed over me this morning, not just in the sense of a building, but in the sense of us as a family and the sense of the people that aren't connected with us yet. I'm like, when God decides to do this, It's going to be great. Like what he's already doing is amazing. But then I just think of all the things that he has in store. That he's like, I just, I, I, it's not time. It's not time. And I was like, wow. To think that my father has that authority. Well, yeah, let's go back to 127. We'll meet and, and it's going to be great. And when he wants to let loose of whatever he has for us, that's what praise does in our prayer. We intellectually engage, and that intellect takes root in the emotion, which then steers the ask, our petitions. It changes how we engage the goals that we had up front. It changes how we pursue them. Second thing that's going on in this 
opening line. The first thing was the theme of praise. The second thing, man, I don't want to erase anything. Uh, the verb honor. <clears throat> this one may challenge your thinking a little more as it has mine over the past two weeks. The verb honor. Uh, in my, uh, the Christian Standard, is that what I meant? Christian Standard Bible, the translation we've been reading out of, um, it says, where'd he go? Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your name be honored as holy. Maybe you memorized it in the King James Version, which says, hallowed be thy name. Right, so the name honor as holy. Historically speaking, the Jewish prayers consider it their task to honor his name as holy. Like when they would pray this and they would say, let your name be holy. That means it's our job to sanctify, to cleanse the name of God in our city. Like we're going to return his name to holiness. That's our job. Like, so through our actions and through our deeds and through our service, everything we're going to do is going to be a reflection on the name of God. And so we're going to cleanse and sanctify and make his name holy in our city again. That's the job of the ancient Jew who would present this prayer. Interestingly, modern Christians, based upon the popular King James Version, may consider his hallowedness simply to exist with him. It's like it's not our job to make God holy. He just is. Our Father who is heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's like, you just are. Like, we can't change that. We can't ad adapt that. We can't prove that. It just is. But I ran across a teacher and a student of ancient Judaism in the Hebrew language. He presents a third perspective. And the third perspective is this. The ancient reading would have actually read, in, in its most direct way, Sanctify your name. Sanctify your name. Our Father who is in heaven, sanctify your name. Make your name holy again. It's like, wait a minute, that, that's not our job. And... It's not a, in a passive sense where it just is. It's like, but we're asking you to make your name holy in the presence of people again. Sanctify your name. Honor your name is holy. Okay. Jesus' vocabulary here is pulled from a passage in Ezekiel chapter 36 where God promises he says, I will honor the holiness of my great name. In Ezekiel 36, he says, In a people who have profaned my name, you have run down my name, you have, you have taken my name as lighthearted, and you have just not even considered who I am. You have not in your mind sanctified my name. He says, I will, in this people group, I will honor my name as holy. And he's, he says that through a few things. He says, in, 
Ezekiel 36, I will honor the holiness of my great name by taking my people from all the nations and I will gather them in the land that I have chosen for you. At this point, God's people, the nation of Israel, had rebelled against God's authority, his commands, and as he promised, they were taken captive by nations that were all over the world. And they had been run away from their homeland and they had been scattered into the surrounding lands and now they were under the authorityship and the ownership of, of other authorities. And God says, I am going to honor my name as holy by bringing you all back. I'm going to do this and I'm going to sanctify my name in your mind. And the second thing he says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on my people. I'm going to cleanse you. There's going to be a, a cleansing, a washing away of all your iniquities and your sins. He says, I'm going to give a new heart and a new spirit to my people. Not only am I going to bring you back, not only am I going to cleanse you of all your, uh, of all your rebellion, but now I'm going to give you a new tender heart, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, one that is tender and moldable. And I'm actually going to put my spirit within you so that you would not be hardened again, but that you would continue to be attentive to my holiness. And the last thing he says is, I'm going to cause my people to obey. Like you're scattered because of your rebellion. But when I bring you back, when I cleanse you, and when I give you a new heart and a new spirit, now I'm going to give you the ability to obey. So that our relationship not only would be restored, but it'll be maintained. I'm going to do that. I'm going to honor the holiness of my great name. So, your name be honored. Your kingdom come, your will be done. All three are pleas and prayers orienting our own mind towards the day when Jesus sets up his throne on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, let your name be honored. May you bring your people May you cleanse your people. May you give your people a heart and a spirit that will allow them to obey you. Your kingdom come. That's the kingdom that Jesus establishes. That's the kingdom that Jesus preached. That's the kingdom. When, when, when Jesus came, he came preaching the kingdom. That's the kingdom where God's people are gathered, where God's people are full of God's spirit, and where Jesus is the central authority sitting upon his throne, and we are gathered with him. Now, Revelation speaks of that day. Revelation, Ezekiel gave us a glimpse of it, and then Revelation gives us a little bit clearer picture. In Revelation 21, John says, I saw a new heaven, I saw a new earth. The first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from where? From the throne. I heard a loud voice from the throne. God's dwelling is now with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. No more grief, no more crying, no more pain. Because the previous things have all passed away. When does that happen? When God gathers his people, when he cleanses, when he restores, giving us a new heart, a new spirit, Jesus becomes the authority and all of us are gathered 
around his kingship. Now, for those who put their hope in Christ today, you experience a taste of that. You experience a small taste of the kingship, the kingdom of God, right here, right now, in your life, where Jesus is king, sitting on the throne of your heart, and you're experiencing a, a foretaste of the cleansing. You're experiencing a new heart. You're experiencing what it's like to be gathered with God's people. But there is a day... But that's going to happen more completely. And Jesus will bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer will be seen physically. Completely. Our Father who is in heaven, make your name holy by bringing the, the messianic kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. Bring that to earth as it is in heaven. So John said that death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Let me ask you this. What relief have you been praying for? What relief have you been praying for? And the second question is, how has it impacted you if it has not come? What relief have you been praying for and how has it impacted you if it hasn't come? John's telling us a day's coming where relief will be full. It will be complete. <clears throat> but what relief have we been praying, asking, pleading? God, take this away. Remove this. I've wept over this. I've, I've ached over this. I've... How does that impact you if it's not taken away? Maybe just share the second so you don't have to identify the first in public, right? How does that impact us? I've been praying for relief for weeks, for months, for years, and it hasn't come. How's that impact you? Makes your heart sick. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. Makes your heart sick. Sometimes it makes our heart hard, just like frustrated. Can have both. What else? How's that impact us? What's that do? Praying for relief. I've been praying for this to be to be moved, to be eliminated, to be restored, to no longer be sad, to no longer hurt, to no longer this, to no longer that. My conversation we had earlier of the tumor, that was actually wasn't my worst problem. My worst problem was surviving October 18th when the car crashed to find it. So usually the first thing we'll be praying for is just take the stress of the day. It affects the relationship and how I outlook and see life in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a tumor head, but I'm still alive currently, mm -hmm. which is a miracle in itself. Even walking away completely from, like, without injury. Yeah. So the stress and the, the things that come from the circumstances, like, okay, God, I need relief in this so that I can engage in the day that's in front of me. I've had people that come to me, um, and this is... I remember 
when I worked with students, we had a young man who was a homosexual man in high school in Benton, Arkansas, which is in and of itself, that's a challenge, right? And he grew up in a Christian home. That was two quotes. The other one was in my pocket. <coughs> and he had um, pastors and family tell him, it's like, you're, you're, you're going to hell because you're gay. And, and that was the mentality that he had in this. So what he did was he began to pray, God, fix me. God, fix me. God, fix me. Take away my homosexuality. Fix me. Eliminate this. And for years he prayed for that. And by the time I met him, it's like what you said. It's like I'm heart sick. And then now my, my heart sickness has turned to hard, heart hardness. And now I hate the church. I hate God. I hate, I hate my parents. And just all these things because God didn't fix me. He didn't take it away. This was the struggle. He didn't remove it. He didn't fix it. And all those things, they begin to dominate you. And so because God didn't do this now, then all these things come after. Right? But what if the Lord's Prayer is not... What if the Lord's Prayer is not for a better earth, but a new earth? What if? What if Jesus isn't teaching us to pray for a better earth? Let your kingdom come on earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like that's, that's going to be a wrestling match until Jesus comes back. But when Jesus comes back, he will establish his kingdom on earth as it is currently in heaven. So what if Jesus is teaching us not to pray for relief in our circumstance right now? Take this away. Remove this. Do away with my stress. Do away with my struggles. Do away with my internal battles. What if he's teaching you to align your brain? Jesus, come. Establish your kingdom on earth right now as it is in heaven. I long for the kingdom of God to come to earth. I long for Revelation 21 when we will see a new Jerusalem coming down, adorned as a bride for her groom, King Jesus, where they will meet and gather. He'll put his throne on earth. He will live among us. We will live among him. He will be our God and we will be his people. Jesus, I want that day. I want that earth. Let that come on earth. I, I want to gear my mind towards that. Because the crap and the junk that we're dealing with right here, in some form or fashion, it will remain painful. It will remain full of sorrow. It will remain condemned and, and, and affected by the curse of sin. But when Jesus comes, it's all restored. Now, those who have your hope in Jesus, you will get glimmers and taste of the kingdom of God along your path. You will see healing come. You will see hearts mended. You will see pieces of it along the way to let you know that the fullness of it is coming. But what if Jesus is not teaching us to pray for glimmers of it? What if he's teaching us to pray for the fullness of it? What if we stop praying for a better earth?
What if we stop, started praying for a new earth? The one in Revelation 21. Jesus is teaching us to pray towards his kingdom above all else. Let your kingdom come above all else. That's what we're praying towards. Which raising our request above this world and into a better one. So the verb to honor, what if we're asking God to accomplish what he's already said he's going to accomplish? Why don't you go ahead and honor your own name? Why don't you reveal your holiness by doing these things, by gathering your people, by establishing your throne? Go ahead and bring what you've said you will bring. We think our heart, here's my ending thoughts, we think our heart will be satisfied in a world where God obeys man. Right? It's like, I'm going to go to God, and if I'll get these things, my heart will be satisfied. True? Like before this whole conversation started, like we, ha we have that internal, it's like, if God will just answer me, I'll be satisfied. Man, if God will just give me that direction, my heart will be satisfied. And that's the belief we have. And I'm not saying it's wrong, there's value in it, but we think our heart is satisfied where God obeys me. So we present ourselves before him over and over and over and we rehearse our request, right? God, here I am today. Here's what I'm asking of you today. If you'll obey me, I'll be satisfied. Yet we find Jesus teaching us in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be given to you. We think we'll be satisfied if God obeys us and gives us what we want. But Jesus teaches us, seek first the kingdom. And everything else will come. It begins in our prayer life. As we pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. He's promised it in Ezekiel. He's promised it in Revelation. So what if everything your heart longs for is attainable because God presents himself to us? Everything, let me, let me say that in a statement. Everything your heart longs for is attainable because God presents himself to us. But, what if that present comes in the form of Jesus? What do we do with them? Like everything our heart longs for, it's attainable and accessible. But what if Jesus is that present? Would we receive him? Like God has presented himself to us. really not that impressive that we present ourselves to him he's made himself available to us will we receive him <clears throat> point two is a game changer in the way I read the prayer so I'm open to questions comments or concerns as we close out our time
What if the Lord's Prayer is not teaching us to pray for a better earth, but a new one? Praying for His kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the greatest thing we have is choice. <clears throat> I think that's like our biggest gift. Mm-hmm. So what if he's like the things that you you long for when you whether you believe in Christ or not, like whether you have faith in Him or not, at some point most people turn to prayer. For, for, for desperation or by faith. And we're longing for one of these things. And, and I would say God has given us choice. But what if He's given us the choice to receive His present that comes through His Son? And He says, in my Son, I give you these things. I give you these things. Now, you don't have to receive it, but if you want the things your heart longs for, it comes through my Son first and foremost. And you would have that choice that he's given you. And then it was we receive his son. He's teaching us, training us to see past this earth and into the fullness of his kingdom. Because right now, apart from that, what do we see? We see this earth and we see the struggles. We see... And if there is no resolution to what we see in front of us, then there is no hope beyond it. It's good. Let me pray for us. send out a DNA group, group me message about tacos. And when we're done praying, we'll sing happy birthday to Sam. <laughs> Father, in heaven, we ask you to honor your name as holy. We know that the way we present ourselves...